Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... This episode of the Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by Artwalks, kids' shoes based on kids' books. They launched their first line of shoes with six designs by three artists, John Clausen, Scott C., and Joey Chu. Get your own pair along with other great baby shower gifts by supporting them on Kickstarter. To check out their campaign, click on the link in the show notes for this episode at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast, or scroll down to find the link in the show notes displaying on the app you're listening to right now. Support also comes from the Highlights Foundation. The Highlights Foundation is excited to be hosting an important event this June 14 to 16, Building Cultural Competency in Today's Children's Publishing Industry, a Working Symposium. They've put together a stellar faculty of changemakers to guide you, including Edith Campbell, librarian and social justice advocate, Dr. Debbie Reese, educator and author, Renee Watson, author, educator, and activist, Paula Yu, author and TV writer-producer, Dr. Laura Jimenez, educator and reviewer, and Dr. Marisala Jimenez-Garcia, author and educator. Space is limited, so be sure to register for this exciting workshop symposium today. Visit highlightsfoundation.org slash programs. That's highlightsfoundation.org slash programs. I was more like, it's Wednesday already? Oh my God. <laughs> so lucky. Yeah, and I was stuck in Toronto for an extra day, so I feel like I just got back. I didn't oh, tell you about oh, that, you did. Oh my gosh, Colleen! It's okay. It's okay. Yeah, oh there was a mix-up at the airport. <laughs> oh my so word. Sorry. You didn't get that uh, midnight flight then. No. Well, the midnight flight actually would have given me a five-hour layover in Ottawa, and I was kind of excited oh, about it. I realized, hours. yeah, the layover was like 3 a.m. till 8 a.m., and I was like, there's going to be nothing open. What am I going to do in Ottawa? The worst yeah, part, right? Hours. I didn't... Yeah, exactly. Oh, Oofa doofa. Oofa doofa is right. Back on, back on land. Identity, self-discovery and safe places. This conversation in today's book take these three themes and weave them together to create something important, something timely, something needed. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 510. Today I'm welcoming back podcast and book blogger Mel Shewitt as our host. She is joined by Colleen A.F. Venable and Ellen T. Crenshaw, the creative force behind Kiss Number 8 a new young adult graphic novel from First Second. The story goes something like this. 
Mads is pretty happy with her life. She goes to church with her family and minor league baseball games with her dad. She goofs off with her best friend Kat and has thus far managed to avoid getting kissed by Adam, the boy next door. It's everything she hoped high school would be until all of a sudden it's not. Her dad is hiding something big, so big it could tear her family apart. And that's just the beginning of her problems. Mads is starting to figure out that she doesn't want to kiss Adam because the only person she wants to kiss is Kat. Please welcome your host, Mel Shewitt, with guests Colleen A.F. Venable and Ellen T. Crenshaw, author and cartoonist of Kiss Number 8. Okay, uh, my name is Colleen Ann Felicity Venable, better known as Colleen A.F. Venable. Uh, <laughs> internet ruined my middle name. Um, <laughs> I uh, am an author and I write comic books. I like to say comic books, even though everybody likes to say graphic novels. Um, and Kiss Number 8 is uh, a YA graphic novel. I like to say that Ellen and I co-created it because even though I wrote the words, uh, the words and the pictures are so tied together. And um, so I don't like to say like author, illustrator kind of thing. So the, the basic plot line is it's set in 2004 in a very conservative small community. Um, and it's all about this girl Amanda kind of figuring out her sexuality. Um, it's coming of age, but it also has to do with kind of this mystery, this family secret that gets uncovered and kind of shatters everything she thought about her family. So um, it's very angsty. Uh, but I also think it's very funny at parts. And I think it's kind of what being a teen is where like every other second you're like, I'm going to cry or laugh and I don't know which one. (laughs) It's very true. (laughs) Um, I'm Ellen T. Crenshaw. I'm an artist and illustrator and cartoonist. And to follow Colleen's lead, I am the (laughs) co-creator of uh, Kiss Number 8. I drew the thing. (laughs) <laughs> you do the thing. <laughs> so uh, let's start with Colleen. And why did you choose to tell this story? What is your connection to uh, Amanda? She goes by Mads in the book. So what is your connection to Mads' experiences? And I would love to know, um, I know that this is somewhat based on real experiences, not maybe your own experiences, but your sister's. Is that right? It is, yeah. Um, my sister came out of the closet in 1995, um, we were not friends before that. And actually, when she came out, she was laying in her room in the dark. And I went into her room to steal a sweater because I thought she wasn't there and she wouldn't catch me. And when I realized <laughs> she was crying, I was like, oh, what the F is wrong with you? Um, though I, I believe I said the F word. Um, and she was like, hysterical crying was like, Colleen, I'm gay. And I walked up to her and I punched her as hard as I could in the arm. And I said, duh. And I like walked out of her room. Um, the backstory behind the whole thing was our family was very, very religious. My parents had a very bad reaction. It took them about um, 10 to 15 years to finally come around, but it was a very tough 10 to 15 years. And um, at the time, there weren't many YA books that even featured any gay representation at all. As the years went on, I feel like around 2002, there started to be a few more, but I also realized there were these big holes. So I actually started writing Kiss in 2004, which is where it was set. Um, because I realized that there weren't books with trans representation, with bi representation, pan wasn't even a thing. Um, So it was one of these things that it kind of came from the idea of a book that had to do with um, religion without religion being the bad guy. 
and also kind of all these different, um, I wanted to kind of show everybody. So, and it took, it took a few years to write. Obviously. <laughs> it was the first thing I ever tried to write. Um, and then it got published. Uh, I sold it in like 2008 or 2009 and it wow. just was a long, a long, <laughs> it was one of those, everything that could go wrong did go wrong, but then it went really, really right for like the last year and a half or two years and it's all come together. Wow. And, yeah. It's so good. I'm so, <laughs> so happy. And it became this time period, like this period piece, um, which is really interesting because a lot of kids now don't realize how hard it was just 15 years ago. Yeah. And especially kids that still um, is for many. Oh yeah. Kids that don't live in a beautiful blue state, you know, they might have some trouble too. Um, and you know, there's, again, everything's gray areas. There's good and bad and everything. Um, but a lot of people I know, I've gotten emails from teens that are just like having the same troubles that my sister had coming out. Um, I've always been very like kind of fluid with my, um, who I fall in love with. Um, I refuse to like define myself, I think because I have this whole like history with my family, (laughs) but it's, it's a very, um, the idea of somebody finding themselves within religion is very like dear to my heart. Wow. Um, how Ellen, how did you find this book? How did you find this story? Well, um, I knew Colleen. Colleen and I were friends already. Uh, we had, um, she reminded me when we first met was <laughs> at a Maine Comics Arts Festival. And it was when we both got, we went, there's this nine-year-old who was tabling and he was creating fake IDs for people and drawing their portraits in the little, uh, you know, photo area of the ID. And he was, they were just the most wonderful, unflattering portraits. Oh yeah. Everyone oh, real looked bad. like a monster. <laughs> it, oh my gosh. It was incredible. And, um, that's where I met Colleen. You know, we were at the SMECAF. We still have our IDs, which is crazy. Yeah. And, um, a couple of years later, um, I'm not sure what year that was that we first met, but it, I believe it was a few years later that, um, Colleen was developing, a uh, a book of short of short comics an anthology that was about uh it was called creeping out the creepers right yes <laughs> and um she commissioned me to do a short comic for that and very shortly after that i got an email from Callista Brill who was the editor at first second um asking if i wanted to audition for this book kiss number 8 and i did and the rest is history. <laughs> Her edition was amazing. Thank you. <laughs> we barely had to change anything. <laughs> it was incredible that um, I was able to read the whole script before making a decision as to whether or not I wanted to participate in the book. And I, I, I was in my room on my bed reading the script and just sobbing because it was so beautiful. <laughs> Aww. I had the and exact same experience. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> making everybody cry. I should be happy about that, but I feel bad. It's all, it's all good crying. Good crying. Good crying. <laughs> yeah, I exactly. Was, I was crying so hard, and I was just hoping with all of my heart that I would be able to draw this book because it was, it just had all of these elements that I, I really enjoy working on myself, uh, emotional moments between characters, teens, girls, breaking, uh, you know, gender constructs and it was 
it was just something that I really, really wanted to work on. So um, as a follow-up to that, what kind of research did you do to, to sort of get to know these characters? It's so funny that Colleen says that it takes place in 2004 because I got to the end of the book and I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe this took place like 40 or 50 years ago. <laughs> I completely forgot. I mean, I, yeah. I was a teenager during those exact same years. So I would like <laughs> to know what kind of research you did, Ellen, to sort of pick out, to make it feel too – I mean, it just felt seamless just all around. But what kind oh, of, thank um, you. Yeah, I'm so glad. Yeah, you sort of created that world. Well, for one thing, I was also a teenager during those years. So um, I graduated high school in 2003. So it was it was very close to about when I was in high school. So a lot of the um, like costuming and design of the characters and such, um, I drew on my own high school experience. But on top of that, um, I was looking up. I, I mean, Colleen. Um, a couple of the editors and I have a whole email thread in which we're discussing, like, what type of phones they would have had at this time. <laughs> or would they even have a phone? 2004. Right. Right. Yeah. Or if they even would have a phone. <laughs> and um, luckily, because I was in high school around the same time, I was able to, you know, draw that experience and say, yes, some of us did have phones, but not all of us. So, it, and uh, what type of phones do we have? I mean, I was researching like, oh, some characters have flip phones and some of them have those Nokia bricks. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> hell yeah, Nokia brick. I dropped that thing down oh, a flight of stairs yeah. and the person was, was still on the phone with me. <laughs> like they didn't even, they were still talking, did not realize anything had gone awry. <laughs> have mine because I'm like worried about getting rid of my skate snake score like I have such a high score and I'm like I don't even have a way to charge this phone but I carry it around to be like there's a high score in here <laughs> you never know what um, you're gonna need a phone anyway exactly I think the other biggest piece of research I did was um like AOL instant messenger oh, because wow, yeah. even though um you know, it's like off brand, right? Like it's not AOL instant messenger, but it kind of is. Um, I wanted to get that look and feel for, you know, a lot of the book, a lot of conversations take place over like an iChat type of thing. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I wanted to get that right visually. <laughs> so boy, do I have a lot of uh, reference on my computer. <laughs> for like the you know login screens and all that stuff. I was gonna say do you remember logging into AOL oh my god <laughs> oh I know and I had I had so many names it was like I had like 10 names and it was like everybody knows this name but this one person everybody knows this name but this one person <laughs> fun fact there's a there's a friends list uh on Mads's um you know a sidebar yeah yeah, her sidebar has a list of has a list of names, and some of them are characters in the book, but some of them are like my friends' names when we were in high school. One of them is my <laughs> sister's. <laughs> that's so good. I didn't know that. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, the one there's one that's like XX. I like Clooney XX, and yeah. uh, that was based on uh, my best friend Shannon's who also had a ton of names, but that was one of them. She had a huge crush on George Clooney at the time. Is that like, <laughs> is that like ER Clooney? 
I I believe so. <laughs> yeah. I think that was right when he started like breaking out of ER. Yeah, I think it was like post ER, but like I mean, that was also a time of cable and reruns, so oh, yeah. I we definitely saw it on, you know, TNT and whatnot. <laughs> oh my god, I'm having the craziest flashbacks right now. I'm gonna have really weird <laughs> I was actually saying I had to resist the urge to give her a live journal because I was like, that's oh just going to be a lot of text. Oh, my gosh. You know live journal. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I miss my live journal. It's like the one thing that I miss. <laughs> I'm terrified to ever find my live journal. I would be so embarrassed. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, Colleen, you said you started this book in 2004 in a very condensed way. Um, can you talk about the evolution of this book? What changed between 2004 and 2019? It's actually kind of surprising because a lot of it didn't change. Um, uh, certain things changed, like, for instance, Valley of the Hidden, the show that they watched throughout it, is was much more a parody of Lost, the show. Um, but considering no teenager now even knows what Lost is, and anyone that did know Lost was like, ugh, Lost. Um, so that changed. Um, there was a much longer ending. So the book actually, she went to the public school much earlier in the original script. And there was a whole other ending where you actually saw what happened to um, specifically Laura. So you actually saw Laura kind of finally coming around. And um, it's actually revealed that Laura has actually been secretly gay this whole time. And she was actually dating someone at the public school that Mads winds up going to. So it was this kind of interesting thing where she realizes that the girl that's been rude to her at the Gay Straight Alliance has actually been rude to her because she knows the history with Laura. Um, But it was one of those things that it just felt so unnecessary. And I liked the vagueness of not really knowing if they ever figure out their friendship. Like, I think actually that they would finally figure each other out again. Um, I don't know if her and Kat would ever come back together. Um, So it was really, that was a big thing. And again, it was just a lot of taking out text. Like, um, the book is really wordy, but that, the original <laughs> script was, like, twice as wordy. So it's one of those things that, like, especially anytime you work with, a, a like, an awesome artist, you don't want your words covering every single person's face, you know? <laughs> so just taking out as much as I could. There was a whole narration that was, like, really a little too emo. And I took out um, <laughs> probably all but, like, 5% of that narration. Um, so it was Can really just cutting back. What was that? Save it for the live journal instead. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from Storyteller Academy. Learn the art of storytelling from published authors, illustrators, and editors at Storyteller Academy. Sign up today at storytelleracademy.com. Support also comes from Bharat Babies. Bharat Babies produces children's books about India with a story for everyone. I've featured their book several times on the podcast and through blog posts, but now I've got a special offer for you, dear podcast listener. Visit BharatBabies.com and get $5 off any purchase of $19.95 or more when you use the code READINGISRAD. That's BharatBabies.com, B-H-A-R-A-T-B-A-B-I-E-S.com. Offer code READING IS RAD. So you already started talking about this a little bit, Ellen, but I would love to know how you put a little of yourself into Colleen's story. Oh, wow. 
Um, you know, there was something funny that happened this past weekend at TCAF, where Toronto Comic Arts Festival, um, where someone saw me who had not met me before, but had seen the book and <laughs> said, I knew it was you because you look like your art. And I Whoa. thought that I, I mean, I thought that was a really cool. <laughs> I was very <laughs> flattered. <laughs> um, but I think that, I think that this is pretty common with artists where um, we draw a little bit of ourselves in every character. And um, in my case, it's almost literal because I use a lot of self-reference. I take a lot of photos of myself um, in different poses and gestures throughout the book. I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds of these photos. So quite literally every character is me a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that answers your question, but um, I, I it's almost that. kind of in a, in a very literal sense that the characters are me. <laughs> That's interesting. Cause you always want to, I mean, you know, um, Colleen created the text, but you want to know sort of how you're able to take her text and make it, I mean, you make the story a little bit your own as well. Well, um, my, my jam is, is showing emotions and, and hoping, hoping to get that across as clearly as possible. And in order to do that, I have to act out the script a little bit. And yeah. so, um, I mean, comics is acting in a lot of different ways. Um, and some people don't need to act it out necessarily to be able to convey it in comics, but I, I do. So, um, you know, if, if there's a scene where uh, maybe someone's sad, but it's a, it's a very subtle type of sad, I might try to, you know, stand up, get out of my chair and be in that moment. So um, I'm feeling a lot of what the characters are feeling and I'm trying to transpose that onto the page. Um, uh, one, one major uh, consequence of that is I kind of ended up falling in love with Kat the same way that Amanda did. <laughs> because... <That's> so sad. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, uh, I mean, in order, she's supposed to be this desirable character, right? Um, she's very charismatic and our main character loves her. And so I needed to love her. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so... I don't know, it, in working with these characters, and especially over the course of the two years it took me to draw the book, um, I became like extremely close with them as if they were real people, and I feel very protective over them. <laughs> Hopefully that means that there's a sequel in the works. <laughs> <laughs> that's up to, well, I guess it's up to both me and Colleen, but and I don't know. And for a second, too, yeah. <laughs> but I will say, too, in terms of like just the... Um taking the script and making it her own too. Like, I mean, there were a lot of times where it was almost the opposite of what you usually have, which is like being like, can I do a little less? And Ellen was like, can I do a little more? Where it was like, here's the scene. I don't think it's hitting its emotional impact. Can I add another spread and make sure oh, yeah, to like give a little bit more room, um, which, you know, was great. The book actually went down to, I think my final script was like, 288 or something and then it wind up going back up to like 320 when the final book was done 
to have like those yeah, really impactful spreads. Yeah, just giving some time too to like have the emotions resonate with the the reader um, and really be able to see it, and also getting some a few more silent panels in there. I think silent panels are the most fantastic tool in your toolbox when you're writing a graphic novel. Um, if I ever read a book that doesn't have any silent panels, I it just is one of the, it's not only just a pet peeve, it's just bad storytelling. If you're going to write a graphic novel, you need to let the art be equal weight to the words and they need to both be really powerful for the whole story to come together. Oh yeah. It's all about pacing. And um, what's also interesting, I mean, this is getting into like Scott McCloud understanding comics kind of territory, but even the the shape of the panels can denote like an amount of time that's passing in that panel. And um, a lot of the page design changes the way a, a reader will experience that moment. Also, so, there's like sexy makeout panels. You know, those are all we sexy makeout panels. <laughs> <laughs> I actually do um, presentations on how we read and understand graphic novels. And I use that all the time Scott McCloud's book all the time oh yeah absolutely I mean mean, it's 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 a it's an interactive medium yeah um before I forget to ask Ellen what did you use to create the illustrations um I uh, sketched them and penciled them in photoshop and um I used I mean for anybody who's into specifics I used Frendon brushes there are a couple of there's a red pencil and a blue pencil that are my favorite. And then I printed out the pencils onto a hot press watercolor paper and inked it traditionally from there, including, you know, all of the gray tones and then scanned it back in the computer. That sounds like it took some time. (laughs) It's a lot of work, but the inking is my favorite part. And um, as much as I enjoy creating things digitally, nothing beats inking by hand. Um, it's to, for me, it's faster. I can't control Z anything. <laughs> and, um, well, it's, it, there's also something really beautiful about like happy accidents and, um, living with, you know, putting a line down and having to live with it, whether you love it or you don't. And, um, Time also changes the way a page looks, certainly. So I'll, I'll put a line down, hate it in the moment, and then the next day I look at it and say, hey, I really like that line I drew. <laughs> nice that you have that confidence. <laughs> it doesn't always happen that way, but <laughs> it's nice when it does. Colleen, what was the coolest part of watching Ellen create these illustrations, what were you the most excited to see or what surprised you the most when you saw the final product? Hmm. That's hard. I mean, I have to say the original character designs, um, I was so shocked at how much they were like the characters in my head. Yeah. And then I know so good. And then also like, even like the, the design of Nate who, you know, is, um, really interesting, charismatic kind of quiet guy, but like goofy, um, he just is so, like, 
the boy I would have crushed on in high school, you know, <laughs> it's like, and she didn't know, she didn't know that I had a thing for like really tall and lanky with really big ears and like probably not, <laughs> probably a person of color. Cause I was like, yay, there's like 10 of you in my upstate New York high school. Like you feel weird. I feel weird. Yay. Let's be friends. Um, so She's I mean, an amalgam of every boy I've ever had a crush on. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, just the character designs were so fantastic. Um, I love Justin Darren so much. I love Kay. I think he's just the perfect, like, teenager who's trying so hard to be punk. Like, his outfit <laughs> is just, like, so good. Um, in terms of the actual pages, I mean, there were a lot of pages that just um, little moments that became my favorite Um my favorite page, actually, and I actually just got this from Ellen, and I'm framing it right now and hanging it on my wall. Well, not ah! the exact, exact moment, but eventually <laughs> I'm going to frame it. Um, was uh, It's the scene where Mads goes to the club for the first time, and she um, meets the bouncer and Jerry, and he just has this, like, the way she drew his like beard scratchy beard hair is like so obvious. It's like a, you know, a shadowy, weird looking beard. Um and just the the facial expressions when he draws a smiley face on Mads's hand and she turns her hand over and realizes that this like super scary guy just drew a really cute little smiley face. Um, that <laughs> moment I just think is so charming. And it also so- has this like ba-bam moment with Kat. Yeah, she's, exactly. She's like she's the wall, boom like, in, Hello. Her hot, in her hot punk outfit <laughs> exactly. that I wish I had. And, like, little casual things, like, she's smoking, but immediately throws a cigarette so Mads doesn't see it. It's like, I don't know, there's just so many little moments there. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I basically squealed at every single page arriving, so. (laughs) (laughs) So sweet. Can you guys tell me what you're each working on now? We can start with Colleen. Sure. Um, I just finished up the first book of a new series called Katie the Cat Sitter. It is a younger book. It's um, about a 12-year-old girl that needs an after-school job, and she gets a job cat-sitting for her upstairs neighbor. And granted, this is a pet-free building, so her upstairs neighbor should not have cats, and her upstairs neighbor should definitely not have 217 highly trained evil villain cats. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. So so it's basically like this girl is working for the biggest evil villain. Um, It's a world with superheroes, so it's kind of my version of you know, a superhero world, but the star is this 12 year old girl who has no powers other than trying to figure out how to cat sit. Um, it's, it's really goofy. And, um, I had a really fun time. I'm actually working on it with Stephanie Yu and I had worked with Stephanie, um, years ago on a guinea pig, uh, pet shop, private eye project. So she's really good at animals and the cats are just adorable. And I feel horrible about making her draw that many cats, but <laughs> <laughs> We have a whole Excel spreadsheet. I'm just like, oh my gosh, <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> Why can't I get a book with less than 30 something characters? <laughs> it's it so would true. be a Colleen A. F. Venable joint. It's true. I mean, even Guinea Pig, which is like a book for like second graders, it has 36 recurring characters. <laughs> wow. And I really, oh. I would do school visits and I had voices for all the characters and I'd be like, Oh my gosh, I don't have this many voices inside of me. <laughs> so I made generalizations. Birds are always bros. What? I'm a bird. What? <laughs> that means I had it easy because there were maybe like 15 main characters or something. Oh, like, and... <laughs> what a character. Oh, I'm sorry. 
just love ensembles. I love um, like Sal is a small character, but I could go on and on and on about how like, I love Sal his background and where he came from and like you know that whole thing of like being the kind of goofy guy, but also really having a good heart and the fact he hasn't ever had kids and the fact that he, you know, was never really taken seriously, even by his friends. So, I mean, I don't know. I like fully dimensional characters, even if they're not the teenagers, you know, I feel like a lot of YA focuses so much on the teenagers and the adults are like, you know, peanuts, wah, wah, you know, <laughs> it's like <laughs> nearly there. So, um, yeah, I liked exploring all of that. So yeah, Katie, the cat sitter, I think it's, 2020 is coming out 2021 I don't know what year it is right now so (laughs) (laughs) I barely know what day it is I know (laughs) what are you working on Ellen um right now I'm doing uh freelance illustration gigs and trying to I'm in the baby stages of trying to uh write something myself and it's a secret right now but (laughs) Uh, we'll see how that goes. We'll see where that takes me. That's so exciting. And I'm pretty much determined to work with Ellen again. So <laughs> we're going to oh, find I would love to. I oh, would die. <laughs> I'd love to work with Colleen again. It was a really, really great partnership. <laughs> really great experience. Limited authority I feel I like have. we kind of speak a similar comic language. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, it's funny because I feel like the only pe- the people that I've interviewed so far on this podcast, I always end up with at least two or three creators per book. And it's always the people who work as collaboratively as you two have. They always work either from like the very beginning or they create the story together or they work side by side. It shows. Yeah, absolutely. Yay. (laughs) We we still have to work remotely, but um, I always got really excited for Colleen's emails whenever I submitted a pencil page and Colleen always had um, excellent suggestions for, you know, how to improve a page or how better to translate the script. Um, or just cut out a bunch of my words and be like, we'll get rid of those things. <laughs> just get them, get them off there. Uh, it was, it was really, really great. Certainly the final product turned out amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, as always, I just want to take a quick second to thank Matthew Winner for allowing us space here on the Children's Book Podcast to talk to you guys. Um, thank Matthew you, Matthew. Likes- thank you, Matthew. Love him. <laughs> he likes to end his interviews by asking his guests one final question, and I'm going to ask you a slightly different version of that question because I'm not a librarian. But many of our <laughs> listeners here on the podcast are going to see a library or classroom full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message that we can bring to them from you? We can start with Colleen. Um, I will say the greatest thing you could ever do if you want to be a writer or an artist or anything is hang out in your library and read everything you can get your hands on. Everything. I actually, um, after school when I was a kid, I went to the library every day for about four hours. And I really think that just reading so much was the thing that made me really start to love books and the idea of trying to make a book was really big. Um, and also I had never met an author and you know what? Like you could become one. It's crazy. <laughs> I didn't think they were real. I was like, Oh, it's a bunch of dead old white men. <laughs> like Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Um, <laughs> I love, but <laughs> um, just the idea that 
anyone. And I came like when I say came from a tiny little village, there was nobody in my village that ever met an author. We had never had a school visit with an author. You know, I never got to listen to a cool podcast like this because podcasts didn't exist because the Internet didn't exist. And um, so just, yeah, just know that all you have to do is read a lot and just work hard and you can you can make stories, too. Oh, how about you, Ellen? You want to follow that up, Ellen? <laughs> I do. Um, so re- n- I never feel better than when I'm reading a good book. And so I-, I hope that this isn't taken the wrong way by students. But I just want to say that life is too short to read a book that you don't like. And nothing kills a love of reading than trying to force yourself to slog through a book that you're just not enjoying. Even if it's a good book and you're not enjoying it, just it's okay. You can put it down and grab a book that you actually love reading because just read all the good books. You don't need to read the books you don't like. I don't know. I'm not saying don't do your homework because you're a student and you're going to be in school and you're going to have to read books that you don't like, but like, Ooh, I can think of, let's just say that I don't regret getting cliff notes for any books that I had in high school that I was not feeling at the time and that I just needed to get the paper out. I'm laughing so hard at this. I had to put myself on mute. Oh, no. (laughs) No, that was beautiful. That was beautiful. Um, Another way to say that, too, is like there is a book out there for every single person. Oh, yeah, yeah, 100%. I think you don't like reading. It's just you haven't found the book that's going to talk to you. Yeah. I mean, I've I've had to learn that the really hard way. I feel like I've I've spent the last, like, 30-plus years of my life reading books to just to get to the end. And it's something I've just discovered yeah. recently. Is that I don't have to finish every book. If a story doesn't speak to me, that's fine. It'll speak to somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like this is something that I'm only just coming to terms with. And yeah. it, may, it, it made me go through a years-long slog where I wasn't reading very much and I felt awful. And all of a sudden, it, it struck me, I don't, I don't have to do this to myself. And, I mean, the other thing, too, for students... it's it's an incredibly valuable skill to be able to write about a book that you have not read cover to cover. So (laughs) it's a life goal. It was a BS. Yeah. You're going to use it in college. You're going to use it in grad school. Uh You're going to use it when someone walks up to you and you don't know their name. So by all means, learn to talk about a book that you have not fully read (laughs) and spend your time, like save your time so that you can read books that you love. This is Mariana Llanos, author of the books Tristan Wolf and Poesia Alada, among others. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by Matthew Winner in his library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 400 episodes at matthewcwinner.com podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear Care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and do not reflect ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means 
helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. Before we leave, I want to give a shout out to all of my patrons, those folks who are supporting the podcast and keeping the lights on care of our Patreon page. Thank you, Jenny, Sue, Amy, Sarah, Kate, Lisa, Darshna, Marianne, Jarrett, Anitra, Mike, Lynn, Link, Corina, Cynthia, Elaine, Doug, Judy, Amanda, Ruth, Laura, Teresa, and others who are coming with me on this journey. You're welcome to come with us, too. Just visit patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner and pick the support tier that's right for you. Teamwork makes the dream work, and each of you are helping to provide the tools necessary to make this podcast even greater. Thank you. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cozy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumor has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favorite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.